Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and I know the news from our southern border has been dispiriting, to say the least. Um, If I stayed focused on the mess, uh, I lapse into moral indignation and outrage, depending on my mood, or into tears. Uh, It is is a a mess. Uh, A year or two ago, at the recommendation of a friend, I read a novel called American Dirt, and the novel it tells the story of a 32-year-old uh, woman, uh, Lydia, a widow. She's the mother of Luca and the widow of Sebastian. Sebastian was an investigative reporter who was killed by an Acapulco drug cartel. And so uh, Lydia, to escape the threat of the cartel, she and her son Luca flee north to security, safety, and prosperity. And through the novel, we meet and become acquainted with many migrants, some escaping the law, others seeking a land of law and order, some looking for work, others looking for loot. In the novels, it's a melodrama full of suspense and heartbreak, desperation, love. And besides telling a good, you know, it tells a good story, but it also sensitizes readers to the plight of immigrants who are seeking refuge, seeking asylum, seeking a better life in the United States. And, okay, we need jolts uh, from time to time to kind of regain our sensitivity. I mean, I, I've i been watching this outrage on the border since the Reagan years, uh, but especially since George W. Bush's attempt to come up with comprehensive immigration reform. His plans failed because he couldn't get support from many conservative Republicans Uh, Really, it fell apart over the future of those who were presently in the United States illegally. And uh, you're not crazy to think that this is a a major problem. We are militarily the strongest nation on earth. We are also the wealthiest nation on earth. And one of the first duties of a civil government is to ensure border security. I mean, you are right to ask yourself, what is crazy? What is corrupt? What is wrong here? There is something wrong that is not evident. Uh, Everybody has their speculation. But there is some monster in the room here. There's some elephant in the living room. There's some problem that for some reason or other, those who have direct access uh, to the forces that be are unwilling to tell us, because it is ludicrous that a nation the size of the United States in strength, in wealth, cannot protect its southern border. Whenever I see something like that, I assume somebody usually some group, some party, somebody has goals that are being met by this mess continuing in the South. Now, I'm not going to go into an analysis of it. I I'm, We'll probably do that in the, in the future. I want to go over some of the ways in which we, we have grown numb to this crisis on the border. And, and, Sometimes we are numbed by false approaches 
uh, to this problem. I, I, let me go over a, a few of these things. I mean, look, just in just this week, we saw a three-year-old abandoned, you know, as a mother and father ran away or were carted off by drug cartels. Who knows? We saw the death of a Texas National Ranger, National Guardsman, who uh, apparently drowned trying to rescue someone who was trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border illegally. We've seen immigration officials being interviewed, claiming that they've never seen it this bad before. And it's been bad. And no matter how you crunch the numbers, each number does represent a life that is in turmoil, in voluntarily or involuntarily, in turmoil. They're in motion. They're in a tough situation. And then you have the lives of American citizens who are being asked to assimilate migrants in the next year that will outpopulate Houston or Dallas. I mean, this is this is crazy. So the first error I hear Christians engaging in on this problem is to quote from the scriptures and say, look, aren't we commanded to welcome the stranger? As though somehow this can settle, you know, or direct U.S. policy. I want to spend time on this because welcoming the stranger, it's in Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 10, okay, It is a very important passage of Scripture, you know. Uh, But we have to remember that that passage of Scripture was not addressed to the U.S. government. It wasn't addressed to the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Egyptians or the Philistines. It was addressed to the covenant people of Israel. And if we don't remember the original audience for these texts, we're going to misinterpret their meaning. So, once you remember who was the recipient of this piece of mail called welcoming the stranger, it's important to recognize that biblical Hebrew has four words that cover this idea of the stranger or the alien or the immigrant or the foreigner. And there are subtle differences between the four words. Uh, For instance, resident aliens. Okay, resident aliens, that, that would be foreigners who are properly living within Israel. They are distinguished from the temporary resident uh, foreigner can be as bro- can be a very general term, meaning anybody who's an outsider. So, as you might expect, the stranger, welcoming the stranger, is welcoming someone who is not native to Israel, but belongs to a different racial, ethnic, or linguistic group. And what's its significance to the church, the new Israel? Uh, is this welcoming uh, an obligation for each of us as individuals? Is it a corporate responsibility of the people of God? Who is the stranger, right? Um, this single biblical verse hardly settles complex problems of U.S. policy. It simply urges the people of God to adopt a positive rather than a negative attitude in considering the stranger And the church, I think, very clearly, should be welcoming all those who are outside the new covenant. The stranger for the the Christian is the person who is a stranger to the covenant of God. It's Under the new covenant, this is an evangelistic verse. As St. Paul writes to to the Ephesians, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one 
it has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. I know, that's a complicated passage. But the key thing is, in context, welcoming the stranger here is the church welcoming all those who are outside the commonwealth of God. All right? It really is an invitation to the unbaptized to become baptized. All right? So welcoming the stranger simply means that the people of God, at first, at first blush now, simply means that the people of God should be concerned about those who are strangers to the gospel, those who are strangers to the covenant family that we call the church, the new Israel. Now, that doesn't mean we should end the conversation there, okay, and say, oh, it's just a call to the gospel. There's nothing more to learn about Israel's treatment of those who were strangers to the old covenant. No, the history of Israel is given to us by divine revelation for our edification. And so we learn that the ancient Israelites knew what it was like to be a sojourner in a foreign land, because for 400 years, their ancestors were conscripted into forced labor in Egypt. So why should they be fair to the foreigner? Quote, remember you were once aliens in the land of Egypt. So concern for the stranger, concern for the sojourner, was etched into Israel's original constitution and legal system. And here's a quick summary of ancient Israel's attitude towards foreigners. So I like, and look, people want to say, oh, welcome the stranger. That helps us here understand American policy. Well, if you're going to take that verse, you have to then apply these other verses as well and tell me how they apply to U.S. policy, all right? Because the law of Moses provided civil rights for foreigners. In fact, they come under the same legal processes and penalties as Israelites. Uh, all, I'm not going to quote all the passages here. The foreigner was to be treated politely and protected. Uh, the foreigner was to be loved as a native Israelite, treated generously. If poor, they could receive the fruits of the harvest. They could receive sanctuary in times of trouble. All right. So, obviously, ancient Israel had an open heart to the stranger, to the foreigner. But there were clear limitations. First of all, a foreigner could not take part in tribal deliberations. They could not, a foreigner could not become king. Israel was also commanded to purge the land of foreign agents who were considered contaminants, leading God's people into idolatry and pagan practices and rendering God's people unclean and unholy. For the same reason, covenants and marriages with foreigners were forbidden under the Old Covenant. And paradoxically, only if Israel's religious life was pure could Israel be of help to foreigners like Rahab or Ruth. Uh, if an Israelite proved to be unfaithful to the covenant with God, well, that person would lose God's permanent presence and become a temporary resident in the land. So nobody should think that just by quoting this verse, welcoming the stranger, that we can somehow uh, help change U.S. policy here. Because consistency would require that we also dwell on the rest of the biblical texts uh, that are that are there. So that's the first only thing I'm really addressing today, and that is the mistake of letting the biblical passage welcoming the stranger um, settle 
settle our dispute about protecting the border. Because the scripture is also explicit that civil governments have the responsibility to maintain the rule of law and to protect the borders, because protecting the borders is part of their job of protecting the innocent. So, okay, if you're going to talk about welcoming the stranger, let's see how that worked in ancient Israel. But we also have to look at what it means to protect the border and maintain the rule of law. I'll have more to say about that tomorrow. But uh, Christians have a role to play here in the United States in helping resolve what is an extraordinary mess on our southern border. I'm Al Cresto.